Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Give this praise team an awesome hand clap of praise. They did a phenomenal job. <coughs> There's one thing I've learned is it's always easier to preach after some good worship. Aren't you glad to be in here to, in this house tonight or today? Sorry, my nights and days are mixed up. It's a little nerve-wracking standing up here every, some Sundays, though. <laughs> but you guys be in prayer for Pastor Waters and Sister Kathy. Sister Kathy was ill this over the weekend, and um, Pastor Waters felt it best to stay home with her today. So unfortunately, you're stuck with me. But the good news is I, I tend to be quick, right? That's the great news, right? I got an amen in the middle back here. But thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure for me to do and fulfill what God's called me to do, and that's preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So in my text today, I'm going to be reading from chapter John, verse 35 through 38. It's a very familiar story you all have probably heard. But I, I, if I had to title it, I would just title it A Journey to Faith. When I got the call... When Pastor called me yesterday afternoon, it was probably about 5, 5.30. I was at Target with family just shopping, and he, I answered the phone. I said, what does Pastor call me? He answered the phone. He said, well, you got it tomorrow. I said, do what? I got what? The joy of the Lord? Yes. <laughs> what do I got, Pastor? He said, it's you. So I quickly became came over here and began to study and search the Lord for what do you have me preach on today? I kind of already had a text in my mind as that had got it, I think, laid upon my heart earlier in the week. As you all know, this past week was camp meeting all week long. I had opportunity to go to every evening service. And Wednesday, of course, Eric and I was there uh, for completion for our MIP. So we were honored that Wednesday morning. But what a truly amazing. How many of you guys got to go to a camp meeting, any of the services at all? I know I've seen several people there. It was an amazing um, just an outpouring of God's presence on the leaders of the church, pastors and directors and just members that lead this great denomination, I think were truly touched. And I've only been to, I think, three of the past camp meetings that we've been to that I went to regularly. And in my opinion, this one was by far one of the better ones. And one of the things they did differently this year was they didn't get speakers from all over the U.S. They kept everything within the state of Tennessee, which I think was phenomenal because the state of Tennessee got to edify itself through Christ, right? And it was a powerful time. But my text, I think, was just kind of laid upon my heart earlier this week, and then I got in there yesterday and began, okay, Lord, what what can I say? What what does this text mean? And I began to dive in. And if you would just, well, let me start here. Aren't you glad that Jesus came looking for you? Oftentimes, we hear new believers say, I found Jesus, but in reality, it was it was he that found us, right? But it, Jesus stated his purpose in coming to the earth in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where he says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In fact, there are many examples throughout the Bible where Jesus personally is seeking and calling out individuals in the scriptures. Firstly, we have Jesus calling Andrew and Peter to be his disciples in Matthew 4, 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And then in verse 19, it skips down and says, And he saith unto them, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Another example would be Jesus calling James and John to be his disciples in Mark 1, 19. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and also were in the ship mending their nets. And straight away he called them. We all know the story of Zacchaeus when Jesus came into the place and he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in your house. Jesus called Saul to be an apostle of the Gentiles in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, where he said, Saul journeyed and he came to near Damascus and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. The fact is that we, we as a, a born again, it's because Jesus sought us out. He came looking for me. He came looking for you. If, he, if you haven't been found, he's looking for you. Let's stand while I read my scripture today. Chapter 9, verse 35 in John. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Because, Father, thank you today. I love you. I praise you for your word that was broken here in this moment, Lord, I ask that you would just anoint me with a fresh anointing to preach your gospel, God, that it would be edifying unto you and that your spirit would help us to hear what you would have your people here today. Amen. You can be seated. Because of his marvelous grace, Jesus calls us unto salvation. For someone here, this may, for someone here, this may be the day he calls your name. As we walk through this passage, I'd like to preach on the thought, a journey to faith, as this scripture gives us a description of that walk into knowing Jesus and becoming to know who Jesus Christ is. Let's begin when we consider what happened to this man earlier in, earlier in the day. It says, Jesus was walking through the area and noticed a beggar who had been blind since birth. The disciples were trying to figure out, was it him that sinned or was it his parents that sinned? Because the blindness had to be related to sin of some kind. Jesus reassured them that neither was the case. That it was that the works of God should be, be made manifest through him. That God would be glorified through his healing. Jesus then spit on the ground, made some clay, and put it in the man's eyes. Then instructed him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The blind man obeyed and received his sight. When the townspeople saw him, he was, he was, he, they, they didn't understand if he was still the blind beggar. They thought, who is that man? They questioned it. The townspeople began to ask him what happened. And he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam. And I washed, and I went and washed, and I received my sight. There's something about being obedient unto God, right? There's something about when at this moment he knew him as a man named Jesus. He didn't know him as the son of God. We don't get there till later. He didn't know him as a son of God. He knew him as a man named Jesus. But there's something about that when you're in that moment of desperation. Here's a blind man, been blind since birth. He has no clue what anything looks like. But he was at a place where he had an opportunity. He had a chance. I don't know this guy from out. He didn't know who Jesus was. But there was a chance, and he obeyed. 
They brought the man to the Pharisees and questioned him about his healing. The Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He told them that Jesus, what Jesus had him do, had him go to the pool and wash. But they claimed this man could not be of God because he, not, he did not keep the Sabbath. This was the Sabbath when this happened. The Pharisees accused Jesus of being a sinner and then wondered how he could do such miracles. And I love the, what, what, the, what the blind man responded and said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but I, can, I was blind once and now I see. Praise God. Do you want to become? And then uh, the Pharisees asked him again, what did he do to thee? How did he open thine eyes? And he said, I've already told you once and you didn't listen. Why do you want me to tell you again? Do you, want me, do you want to become his disciples also? And they said, no. They were refiled. They said, we are disciples of Moses. They kept the Jewish law. We know that God spake unto Moses for this fellow, we know not whence he is. The man who had been healed went on to testify about Jesus and said in verse 30, why herein is a marvelous thing. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it's not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. The Pharisees didn't want to accept the fact that he could be healed on the Sabbath because that, that wasn't in their law. That couldn't be done. They didn't claim he was of God because God couldn't do, it had to be God that did this miracle. One important thing that, that sticks out to me in this specific is it says, since the world began, it is not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. So prior to this event, not one person on the face of the earth since the world began was ever healed of blindness when they were born blind. This man was the first. And at the same time, we're hearing the story. We haven't gotten to the text where he knows who Jesus is yet. We're just to the point where he's excited and happy about the miracle that took place. When Jesus heard that they had cast the man out, he went looking for him. When Jesus found him, he did something greater than he had done before. Earlier in that day, Jesus healed this man physically. Now, Jesus is about to hear him spiritually and eternally. I want you to know that what Jesus did for this man, he can and will do for you today. And it starts with an invitation. That invitation comes in verse 35 where it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? That's a simple question, right? Notice the phrase, when he had found him. Jesus heard that this man had been cast out by the Pharisees, and Jesus cared enough for him that he took time to search him out. And when he found him, Jesus asked him a very important question. He said, dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is an invitation to salvation. Jesus when conversing with Nicodemus back in chapter 3, Jesus explains that belief in him is necessary for salvation. John three sixteen, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Then 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but that believeth that he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten son of God. Jesus cared enough to give this blind man his sight, but even greater is the fact that he was willing 
to give a dead man new life. You see why that song this morning touched me and gripped me so hard? Because I'm talking about dead men getting new life. And we were talking about I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praise roar. Death is defeated. Death is defeated. He can restore. Jesus has the power to do anything he chooses in your life. He can restore your marriage. He can bring you financial blessings into your life. He can heal you physically. He can deliver you from addiction. He can break the chains of worry, doubt, fear, and discouragement in your life. He has the power to do these and many more things, but the greatest thing he can do for you is to save your soul. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You may not believe it's possible for you today. You may believe that all the things that I've done in my life, all the things that I've been through, all the things that I've seen, all the things that I've participated in has kept me and, and, and identified me as an outcast. But can I share with you that Jesus called the outcast above others to do his will. Why? Because there was a willing vessel that had to take place. God is looking for you. God is inviting you unto the salvation. Dost thou know the Son of God? That's an invitation to your salvation. That's an invitation to you identifying and understanding who God is in your life. So I ask you that question. Dost thou know the Son of God? The man in, in this passage has actually been cast out by his own religious crowd. Does that sound familiar? There's hurt in the church, right? It happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen on purpose. But it happens. This man was cast out by his religious family I'm sure he thought of but can I share with you that Jesus will never abandon you that Jesus will never leave you that Jesus will never forsake you and will go with you to the very end of the earth give him praise in this house second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come under repentance." how will you respond to his invitation of salvation we accept the offer or we reject it. Let me encourage you to put your faith in the one who came looking for you. This past Friday night at camp meeting, they had a, a youth, it was a youth-centered service. Scotty Hager, who's been here and preached multiple times, youth and discipleship director, preached the word. They had a choir that was filled with youth, and I think I heard after the service that it was like 300-something youth was in that choir. They, there was no room for them. They were just standing up here. The band, you couldn't even see the band because they were just all over the stage. And you had leaders out front with the microphone, but they looked like they blended into the choir. There was just so many kids up there. But one powerful thing amongst all that service that happened, and I don't know, Hunter, if you were able to get those slides put up or not. Go ahead and throw one up there. I don't know if you can see this real well, but you can see just the mass of people and kids. These are all youth, by the way, up there on stage except for Scotty. It's all you see is youth. And I don't know if you can read those signs. If you can, I'll read some of them to you. Lost, spiritual desert, alone. Fear, doubt, I want to control. Struggled with lust. Misunderstood, anxiety, depression. Abused, neglected. Diagnosed with chronic seizures at eight years old. Addicted to pornography. These kids, these youth, Paraded across the front with these signs of not who they are, but what they once were. You see, this blind man once was blind, but now he has his sight. These kids right here, go to the next one. Now they flip their sign. 
and you get to see the power of what God did in their life. You get to see the relationship they have with Jesus Christ. You get to see that the, the things that burden them down in this world are forever washed away. Not once, not twice, but forever by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have God delivered me and gave me peace. You have, I am free indeed. In, instead of addicted to porn, you have called into ministry. Can somebody give God praise in this house? Can I tell you that after being a part of that service, the future of this church is okay. The church will survive. I think we were to give God another praise just for that right there. Once we have received the invitation, now comes the revelation. You see, God asked us the question earlier, dost thou believe the son of, on the Son of God? In verse 26, he gets, verse 26, 36 and 37, he gets to answer it. And he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. After Jesus asked this man if he believed on the Son of God, he asked Jesus, who is he? Jesus said, I am he. Jesus in this passage is clearly revealing himself as the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is God in the flesh. Jesus is the very source of our salvation. He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is God's Son who became man who walked on this earth as a human being, who bore the weight of the sins of the world, who went to the cross to pay the price for your debt. He died on that cross and was buried in a grave. And then on that third day, you should know what happens. He was raised from the dead in resurrection that we might be resurrected with him one day and go to meet him in the air. And forever shall we be with him. The revelation comes when you identify when Jesus tells him who I am. He's not talking to just the man named Jesus anymore. He identified him earlier in the scripture as the man named Jesus told me to do these things. I went and did them and I, was, I have received my sight. Now he's telling the man, I am thee. I am the Lord. Jesus has, or just as the blind man realized that Jesus is the son of God, we must realize that Jesus is our only hope for salvation. There was nothing this man could do to help himself physically or spiritually everything that happened to him happened because Jesus because of Jesus you can't do anything about your spiritual situation but Jesus can he is the only answer for our sin problem and I encourage you to trust in him and receive the salvation that he's offering you today we've received an invitation we've seen the revelation now comes the transformation in verse 38 the first part of verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Early in the day, Jesus changed this man's life forever. He was blind from birth, never saw color, never saw his family, his loved ones, anybody or anything. He was a beggar. But Jesus changed his life forever, and he will change his eternal destiny now. Jesus reveals to him that he was the son of God. He extended an invitation to receive salvation, and this man gladly accepted the offer. Notice that he didn't have to do anything 
to be saved other than to put his trust in the Son of God. Don't we make it too complicated sometimes? Don't we make it, there's these rules and regulations you have to have to be saved? This, my Bible just says all I got to do is believe on the Son of God as the Messiah, as the Son of God, the, the, the Christ that came and bore the weight of my sins, that I might have a way of escape. That's what my Bible says all that has to be. We make it too complicated. Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. If you will trust in Jesus, you can pass from death unto life. There is no doubt in my mind that this man's life was never the same. You have the opportunity to receive a life-changing miracle just like he did. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Was there criteria in there for that salvation? I didn't hear any. What I heard was belief. He that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. He got a fresh start in life. He was blind, now he can see. That was before he knew who Jesus was. Now that he knows who Jesus is, he was dead, and now he's alive. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful today that I, when I was once dead, God gave me an invitation. He brought me his revelation. He transformed me from death unto life, and I praise him for it this morning. You've heard me tell, talk about my brother several times from behind this pulpit, but when I was typing up this sermon, I couldn't get away from specific things that happened throughout his transformation. Most of you know that he spent 12 years addicted to drugs, different type of drugs. He battled with it. He fought it. He knew right from wrong. But the day came, not by my might or mom's might or in this man's situation, the Pharisees. They didn't know how he got healed. It wasn't by us that he got healed. It was by the power of God. And he got to a point of such desperation, such desolation, at the very bottom of where he could be. And he cried out to God. Yes, he received help, of course. But he cried out unto God, and the transformation started happening. Because he didn't go to rehab. He didn't seek a doctor. He didn't seek medical help. He did what he was raised and knew to do. And that seek that man named Jesus who could provide for me, who can save me, who can cleanse me, who can heal me, who can restore me, who can be my redeemer now just like he was many years before. Do we not believe that God has that same power today? So the transformation took place. My brother stood behind a podium and preached a sermon before he passed away. Total transformation, just like the blind man, the blind beggar. Total transformation. I was blind, I can see. I was dead, now I'm alive. Total transformation and I praise God for that I praise God that my brother found his way back but I praise God for doing the work a very specific thing in that story I want to tell you about which leads me to my final point at the time my brother was going through withdrawals because again he didn't seek medical help he curled up in a bed in my mama's house and that's where he laid 
as he was going through those withdrawals, as the pain and the agony and everything in him was saying, go get that drug and it'll make you feel better. But the transformation started happening. There was no way he was going back to that. But the beautiful thing that happened, he cried, he moaned, he wept, he was in pain, he was in agony. But you know what he started doing? Singing praises unto God. There was a song. What was the song, Mom? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. He was in a bed, curled up in the fetal position, crying, weak, hurting, and in pain. And he said, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. I don't know about you, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this place because God is powerful. We don't give him enough credit to bring us from where we are over to where we're meant to be. Would somebody stand and give God praise in this house? We were here, and now we're there. We were dead, and now we're alive. We were sick, and now we're healed. We were bound down and in bondage, and now we've been freed and redeemed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he was going through his worst time, he was singing praise unto God. Which leads me to my last point, and that's adoration. After we've gone through the transformation in our lives, now there's nothing more to do but to adore God and give him adoration for what he did in our life and what he performed in our life. Here's a man who's been cast out. He's been pushed aside. Nobody believes what happened to him. But Jesus invited him to be saved. The man accepted Jesus' offer and was changed immediately. And he responded by worshiping Jesus. Verse 38, the second half of that verse, it says, And he worshiped him. Immediately once he believed, he worshiped him. You know why I think he did that immediately? I think right after he says he believed, the first part of that scripture says, and he said, Lord, I believe, and the second part of that verse, and he worshiped him. You know why I think that happened? You didn't, you didn't, he didn't worship the man, Jesus. He identified him earlier in the text in chapter 9 that a man named Jesus told me to do these things and I, was, I received my sight. He did not know at that point that he was the son of God. But he didn't worship the man. He was thankful. He was grateful. He gave credit to the man named Jesus. He told him it was a man named Jesus who did it. He gave him credit. But it wasn't until he came to realize that this man was really our Lord and the son of God that he began to worship him. He didn't worship the man. He worshiped our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the difference. It wasn't man that performed the miracle. It was Jesus Christ. And it reminds me of the story in Acts 3 where 
Peter and John, they healed the lame man at the temple gate called Beautiful. It says, do you believe in the Son of God? Je- oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. Peter and John, when they saw him, they said, look on us. They hollered out at the guy, look on us. And the man looked on him expecting to receive alms, receive something from him. That's what he's doing. He's begging. He was lame. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and I love this, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Then the next part's the best part. Then he leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This man got pulled up from his lame position. And what did he do? He ran into the place where he knew to go, the temple or the house of God, and praised the Lord. The guy who was blind since birth didn't know who he was, but when he believed who Jesus was as the Son of God, he immediately worshipped him. You see, we have the invitation. We have the revelation, who God is. We have the transformation, which happens in our life. And then we have the adoration, where we get the opportunity to worship and praise him for everything he's done in our life. Give him praise one more time. If you have ever been touched by the master, if he has sought you out, called your name, and brought you from death unto life, I hope that you spend your days worshiping him. Jesus is worthy of our worship and our adoration. Come to the uh, musicians, come if you can. In verse 35, Jesus asked the man, do you believe in the Son of God? This is a question that we all must answer at some point in time in our journey to faith, in our walk. That's a question we all must answer. Jesus is our only hope for salvation in this life. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. Will you put your faith in him to receive salvation? Maybe you have. Maybe I like to think we're a room full of believers Maybe you have. Maybe you, maybe you know who Jesus is as the Son of God. And that question, dost thou believe on the Son of God, you can answer and say, I truly do. And that's, that's so awesome. Maybe you find your place in it. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you know who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And maybe now you're just looking for more. Maybe now it's not just enough knowing Jesus and thanking him and praising him for the very best that he's given me. Or maybe I found my way falling away a little bit. Maybe I once was right there where I know to be, and I've let some things slip. I've let some things get in the way of my relationship with God. Well, like in this text, you have an invitation today. Not only an invitation for salvation, but an invitation to get some things right that may not be. Maybe there's transformation that needs to happen in your life. Maybe it is a a, a marriage that's going south. Or maybe it is a financial situation that's got you burdened down and you need help from the Lord. Maybe it's addiction, like my brother. Maybe it's doubt, worry, fear. One of the beautiful things about those, those youth that walked up there, they were parading their problems. You know why? I believe because they weren't ashamed. There was no shame in the things that they go through. Sometimes in the church, we act uncomfortable around homosexuals or 
We got transgenderism and all this stuff going all throughout the world today. We get uncomfortable. The kids are going to school with it every day. That's not, it's not, what are they to be ashamed of? The sincerity of their of their unashamedness. I'll just that's not a word, but I'll just say that. They're unashamed so much and it's so sincere that they're willing to say, Hey, come sit by me. Because where else would they need where else would they rather be? Where else would we rather have them? I, I I've heard redemption stories of homosexuals that found their way to a loving church. And then they were changed and set free of that. And have married and have kids and their life has been restored because of the power of Jesus Christ. The kids aren't ashamed. We don't need to be ashamed either. Who knows I can't get through this world on my own. I know I can't. I face things. I have problems I go through. Not just me, my family. And it's not enough that I try to figure it out. I need help. So the invitation is for anybody today who maybe need that transformation in their life. And to me, one of the most important things is adoration. This altar, this whole big area right here is open for you to come and just worship God. You may have so everything going right in your life, and I hope you do. I praise God for that. But praise Him for it. Give Him praise for it. I won't tarry long, but let's everyone stand. If you, if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I invite you to come. Just as Jesus did the blind man when he gave him the invitation and asked him, Dost thou know the Son of God? I want to give that invitation to you today. If there's transformation that needs to be done in your life, God can do it. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And if you just want to come worship him, I encourage that. As they sing something, come, I would love to pray for you.